0: One, two, three. Hello, and welcome to Cool Your Takes, uh, the show where your friendly friend hosts are gonna guide you through some hot, hot takes, and boy, have we got a plate of them for you this time. Kind of gonna talk about why these takes are so spicy, spicy, hot, um, what makes them relevant, and uh, how you can have better takes in the future, I suppose. Um, with me, as always, is uh, foreign-funded Franco radical Mr. Chase Clark.
1: Bonjour, hi, glad to be here as always.
0: Oh, we we just love hearing that second mandatory language. Um, and I, I live my
1: life truly uh, bilingually.
0: Yeah, yeah. Bill one hundred and one is the blood in my veins. And speaking of uh, blood, I am of course um, radical centrist jihadi uh, Keith. John Stone and we're coming to you from opposite parts of this great red, white, and red nation. But really, we're both at our core, at our core um,
1: Alberta boys, and uh, born and bred Alberta boy. You know. Yeah, yeah There's does.
0: a there's a lot going on right here in Alberta. Um, oh yeah. I mean, Is I'm, there ever. <laughs> I'm living through it, and uh, every day as I'm going to work um, or. Not. Usually not. Um, I'm seeing these brilliant blue, kind of dark blue signs with that lovely little Alberta crest. And I heard they're bringing unity. I heard they're, they're bringing Keith the jobs.
1: Johnstone, they are bringing jobs. They are bringing unity. They are bringing, wait for it, pipelines. Ooh! Ooh. From from the center of this great province to, and you know they know what they're talking about, to tide water. Yes. They're going to flood those tide waters with Berta bitumen.
0: Yes, this is what I've been saying all my life. I really, like, seeing every single seabird on the BC coast drowned in Alberta pure, that is what this province was made to do. And we're going to damn well get there no matter what those hippies say about it.
1: Oh, you better believe it, bud. You better believe it. And you know, folks, if you're not quite sure what the hell we're talking about, we're talking about the really amazing time of the year that this is. Four years in coming. Kenny's ready. It's the Alberta 2019 election.
0: Yeah, Notley finally bit the bullet. She announced it. It's ready and happening.
1: She dropped that writ so hard. Kenny didn't even know what was coming. She dropped it in, in central Calgary. Oh my gosh. You should have seen the crowds, folks amazing crowds the best crowds we've had
0: you really should have seen it um you should have seen it i didn't see it uh chase didn't see it neither of us saw it you you folks you should have seen it for us and i'm blaming you for this
1: you know what i did see it actually i was i was glued to my to my rachel notley facebook page that morning i heard there was an announcement coming i i put aside all of my duties as, as a researcher and just had my eyes glued to the the wonder woman herself
0: and it was min- pretty good. <laughs> three minutes in, folks, we're seeing that uh, the guy who lives in Quebec is much more in tune with Alberta politics than the guy that lives in Alberta.
1: <laughs> if there's if there's anything that moving to Quebec has taught me, it's that I care way too deeply about what goes on in Alberta. I know nothing about this province that I live in. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. And I damn well plan to keep it that way. <laughs>
0: And I genuinely hope it stays that way. The more I know about Quebec politics, the more just upset I get. But speaking of you knowing and caring a lot about um, Alberta politics, I saw this wonderful Instagram post of you getting a newspaper flown to you. Um, I believe it was on a Um, private jet.
1: Actually, Keith, that was a Twitter post, but really, really great attempt there. Uh, I'm trying to
0: integrate social media, okay?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All of our different social media accounts. I'm just... I'm too much of an influencer. I'm sorry, Keith. It's hard to keep track. Uh, yeah, no. Um, Local Calgary journalist man, Jeremy Clauses, personally hand-delivered me my edition of the Sprawl newspaper, which I, you know, as an excellent uh, patron of this world, support local uh, independent news. Right. He sent me uh, the newspaper, yeah. And it was great. Full of these excellent local stories, you know, about climate t- change income inequality reconciliation you know things that the ucp is really gung-ho to just absolutely destroy
0: they love to tear it down um now <clears throat> i read a bit of a different newspaper and uh in that sprawl, um, did you where where was the opinion piece by uh noted actual criminal conrad black <laughs> <laughs>
1: good old connie oh no no comrade still still writing for the um absolutely dilapidated and, and waste of space the national post hand uh. delivered to my doorstep every day folks oh no oh the johnstone household i'm so sorry <laughs> oh, love gosh. it but yes but yes um albert in a bit of an absolute hot mess right now with this election uh First weekend, you know, we're, we're going to have a whole other episode, perhaps, about this election later on. But just to cover a few things, you know, Kenny's—he's had a rough start, or you can say the least. Scandals coming, just... bam, bam, bam. We got—we got dirty money from the Callaway campaign, Kamikaze candidate. We got white nationalists dropping down. We got transphobes dropping down. Kalen Forbes. We got Eva Kyriakos. They're just literally dropping like flies we got it's, so
0: much free speech the The speech is so free around here it's hitting me in the face it's flying all the way across the country the, the free speech is out of control folks and uh as a ndp candidate i personally promise to remove your free speech and uh that's where we're going to really move forward as a
1: compromise exactly exactly anything that we've learned in this campaign so far is that apparently um lack of free speech from the NDP but also the NDP are fully free to enact in uh slander which according to these uh to these now disgraced candidates is um criticizing words they've said very publicly
0: mm, that's giving them a bit of credit i don't think they deserve uh slander of them is publicizing the words that they've <laughs> said publicly but we're going like you said we're going to get into this in an entire mm. other episode we're going to bring in consultants guys we're going to have live oh. interviews i'm going to have jason Kenny sitting on my lap and i'm going to ask him what he's going to do for me
1: yeah and you know what he's going to say absolutely freaking nothing keith johnstone you commie leftist sorry all right <laughs> good impression i'm putting i don't i don't want to put words in his mouth i don't want to put we'll let him talk but yeah kind of going off of that yeah. um
0: let the sprawl put the words in his mouth
1: Yeah. Alberta is an absolute hellscape. Things are garbage. But something that isn't garbage is local independent news. We love it. You know, that's right, folks. That's right, folks. For the first time, I'm coming at you with a quote-unquote TM'd, registered trademark, good take. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that they have, like, researched? So, in Alberta, we've got a lot of newspapers, and a lot of these newspapers are owned by the exact same company called Post Media. They're a multi-million-dollar uh, transnational corporation uh, that just couldn't somehow find the you know few hundred dollars it would take to send an investigative journalist down to San Francisco, where Kenny enacted most of his undergraduate education before he dropped out. Uh, you know, to investigate his uh, past—that's been like all the rage these last few weeks. Uh, no, they couldn't. They absolutely couldn't. The times are tight.
0: Uh, Notley times is tight, you know. slicing jobs off with her gigantic communist butcher exactly, knife. And...
1: Exactly. Print media just can't keep up. So they had to leave it to little old Jeremy Clausis, amazing local journalist in Calgary with his new startup, The Sprawl. It's only supported by about you know, 700 people uh, over Patreon. Well, that's why you Yet got somehow, retweeted. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, you know it. I'm a sprawler. <laughs> <laughs> and so... He was able to find the money to send an investigative journalist down to San Francisco, one Taylor Lambert. And they came back with an excellent two-part piece, which they dubbed The Young Zealot. And I would 100% recommend that you guys check this out. You can find it on Twitter, on, on the interwebs. Just Google The sprawl of The Young Zealot. It's all the freaking rage right now if you haven't read it.
0: Personally... I've had it sitting in my chrome tabs for a while now, and I've been waiting to tear into it, and then Chase here said he was going to talk about it on the show, so rather than hear it directly from the horse's mouth, I'm getting the horse's mouth interpretation of the horse, what it's saying, and that's kind of the spirit of the show. Yeah,
1: call me a horse, because I've got a mouth, and I'm going to butcher this amazing article. Oh, we love horse so, meat, it's so lean. <laughs> it's just, just love that game. Um, all right, so let's just jump right into it, so... As we know, you know, Kenny's has a very colorful past, and this seems to not be, like, at all a new thing, but, like, his colorfulness stems way back into his, uh, university undergraduate years.
0: Absolutely not a rainbow. Never a rainbow. (laughs)
1: Like, if we could have a color that was the opposite of a rainbow, that would be Kenny's past, I'd say. Gray. Um, (laughs) very gray. Gray, but aggressive. So... Jason Kenny. Uh, so according to Taylor Lambert, this, no, this is this is not new information that I'm going to be talking about right now. But Taylor Lambert goes on to kind of really dive into what he what Kenny did in San Francisco. But Kenny went to the University of San Francisco back in the '80s, which is a uh, private Catholic university, and it's a uh, it, part of an institution called the Saint Ignatius uh, Institute, which is you know this Jesuit uh, academy. that kind of like turned into this university. It's got very strong ties to the Catholic Church. Kenny is Catholic ipso facto he goes to this place so
0: heavily heavily religious but i heard not even religious
1: enough oh no oh no so the story goes that uh undergraduate at the school Lori moore uh was part of a uh women's uh law students association <clears throat> and they were protesting uh for pro-choice Which, you know, in the rest of the country at that point in America was a pretty inflammatory thing. But, you know, San Francisco is quite a liberal city and was considered to be very much their right to be uh, protesting for pro-choice. Yeah, good for her. Exactly. Uh, And she was essentially affronted by these young men uh, who, in her words, weren't friendly at all, uh, saying things to the effect of, we don't want you here, we don't ever want you here again, with all this intimidation and, and whatnot. According to her she wasn't sure if Kenny was actually in that group but uh, Kenny knew about the protests and really used it to his advantage.
0: And I mean he at this point he's he's some undergraduate. So he very well could have been there. And I don't think we can really know, right? Cuz he he's, oh, no, he's he not was. a known entity or was he?
1: Oh he, oh he was. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, my mistake. <laughs> so he was on um, the dean's yeah, no, he definitely wasn't. <laughs> uh, Kenny goes, uh, Taylor Lambert goes on to say that he uh, was only a student at USF for three years, um, but he's really active on campus, writing for the school student newspaper, participating in debates, and was the freshman class president. Of course. And he course. also served on the student senate. And Kenny really used his seat on the senate for a lot of really great things, such as trying to... Um, pass a motion such that every single meeting in, in the Senate would start with the Catholic prayer. Wonderful. Uh, which he, akin to, say, singing the National Anthem before a sporting event, also a very normal thing for people to do.
0: Basically, the National Anthem of the United States is turning their bodies towards Vatican City and bowing in supplication. I've exactly. seen Americans do this all the time. It's very normal.
1: This is very normal, very common American stuff. But... From this proposal, he actually faced a lot of, of, um, opposition, even from religious leaders who said things that they were completely opposed, saying that prayer is not meant to establish religious or political divisions. I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving, moving straight along. Citation uh, needed, but okay. Yeah. Uh, he pretty much came out wholly against this, uh, pro-choice petition, um, and really made it his like mandate to try to uh get them shut down. Uh here's here's a good little tweet from him in the student newspaper. Uh, 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 oh. Kenny said, "We are clearly and unequivocally asserting what we think." When asked about the constitu- constitutionality of attempting to restrict pro-choice activities, he said, "There are certain absolute values that cannot be actively worked against. Those values being, of course, the right for uh, a baby to be born which of course no one can ever talk about
0: right yeah because uh, fr- from the moment that it is not even just a single spe- uh, cell i'd see i'd say about halfway through meiosis one that's a person and yeah, um, exactly you gotta you gotta protect them and uh, that is absolute and you can't possibly change your mind about this and anyone who claims that they yeah. have changed their mind about this well i think maybe they shouldn't be running for premier <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh shit. Oh no with the hot takes. Keith. Topical, topical. Um yeah, so he went on so the ACLU at that point got involved, uh, cause the pro-choice people started trying to sue the university for allowing him to go through with this petition to to stop the pro-choice march. Um, he caught, referred to abortion as prenatal murder and equated, uh, the advocates with proponents of pedophilia, the Ku Klux Klan and the church of Satan, all very similar groups, all wanting
0: the exact same thing. The, the amount of times that people have seen at Planned Parenthoods, um, Ku Klux Klan members violently guarding their right to have an abortion. It, you know, that's just what they do. That's, that's the only thing that they do. Um, I think that's really that's really interesting because that exact same kind of narrative is now flipped on its head. We've got the anti-choice protesters complaining that their um, speech is being infringed upon, and, and potentially I I'm I haven't actually heard of an example of this myself, but I'm sure that it's happened, suing um, campuses for not allowing them to protest.
1: Oh, oh, certainly. And and we see this in the most recent uh, session in the Alberta Legislature, where the uh, actually it, not quite in that example, but but really similar, where the NDP wanted to set up bubbles uh, where you couldn't protest that near uh, an abortion clinic. Yeah. So you know, people who go to use those clinics would not be harassed unduly. Right. And uh, Kenny wouldn't even allow for debate on the motion and had his entire caucus leave the legislature when the motion was being voted on or debated. Mm, very adult. Very adult, strong adulting. This man is adulting like a boss. Uh, Kenny went on to say later on that um, organizations whose objectives are antithetical to gospel, including racist, pro-abortion, and homosexual groups, could soon be using facilities and resources that have supposedly been consecrated to the promotion of justice and human dignity. Like I just, I don't even know what he's trying to say right there. Yeah, that's a. <laughs> that's a. Uh, it feels a really. Like...
0: It's like a dense sentence, but I'm not, I didn't, I didn't gain any information out of hearing that.
1: No. Yeah. So pretty much this whole thing was him trying to uh, come against these, um, uh, these pro-choice groups and these pro-free speech people. And then when he was essentially shut down by the school and by the ACLU's lawsuit, kind of went nuclear and decided, well, then you're not Catholics. And through his uh, close ties with one of the pastors at Saint Saint Ignatius Church, who was friends with the four, with the soon to be oh which which one was it uh yeah so Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, uh who was close friends with this um, uh, founder of the Saint Ignatius Institute. Now Joseph Ratzinger, he uh, is you might not know him by this name, but um, later a few years later he'd be known as Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. Uh, oh. Pimp Benny. So, so he had a he had a direct line to Pimp Benny, which uh, <laughs> he was going to use to essentially decatholicize the uh, the university by pretty much taking their their uh, designation away from them.
0: Well, because yeah. they
1: were t- too pro f- free speech.
0: Yeah, you, you know, uh, what what the future Pope says goes. Um, people <clears throat> infallibility, exactly. sorry, sorry, snowflakes, but you don't get to decide the definition of Catholicism. Jason Kenny <laughs> does with his friends.
1: That's to Saskatchewan expat staying for three years in UCSF. <laughs> or as the CNN describes him, um, anti-abortion activist.
0: Mm, wheat-soaked. They could yeah, have he added soaked uh, anti-abortion
1: there. activist. Anyways, uh, this article goes on to say that like no, yeah, none of this really ended up working out for him. Uh, the students in it dropped everything all of these appeals and whatnot. And eventually Kenny uh, didn't return back to UCSF after his third year so it all amounts yeah, to Yeah, and nothing. the foghorn, the the student newspaper, um, says that the university professor noted that the reason was for academic failure and expulsion. So, so I don't think. So he yeah, <laughs> he was so focused on
0: protecting gametes and zygotes that he failed out. <laughs> now yeah, that is a man for yeah. us. And oh,
1: and here's a little a little quote from Jenny from Kenny that the sprawl got recently uh in retrospect I wish I'd spent a lot more time on my studies and a lot less time on politics and campus controversies. <laughs> yeah, I bet I bet you yeah. did. So, I'm just going to quickly move on to the actually more interesting this part 2 of this uh, of this thing of this little uh duo the young zealot which talks about actually much closer to my heart were uh, his claims of, you know, being pro LGBTQ and how much he loves the right. uh, the LGBTQ plus people. And he, he said
0: and always has yes. clearly. From, from what we will hear from you reading this, he clearly always yeah. has, he's never changed his nope, opinion. No, nope. he's never he's, he's never doesn't voted continue against to hold.
1: Mm. Yeah, no. So <laughs> late last year, um On World AIDS Day, Kenny made a video where he said, he was talking about AIDS, and he said that it was a disease that he saw firsthand while he was volunteering at a hospice in San Francisco, um, uh, washing bloody sheets in the Gift of Love Hospice when he was a student down at UCSF. Sorry, USF. Wow, what a nice name. I know. Uh, Later that day, uh, a clip that I think a lot of us are familiar with nowadays has been used in a lot of uh, NDP campaigns, uh, campaign uh, ads was uh, him talking uh, in front of a Canadian alliance, which is a former far-right party that later went on to become the Conservative Party of Canada in 2000, where he said, um, I became the president of a pro-life group at my campus and helped to lead an ultimately successful initiative petition, which led to a referendum that overturned the first gay spousal law in North America in 1989 in San Francisco. And then then they put in this... In the video version, Kenny grins here. He does. He does, and it's disgusting. Awesome
0: job, dude. I fought
1: a lot of battles there, and in the process of those battles, ended up coming closer to the heart of the church in a spiritual sense as well. So this was has literally been all over the place, just him talking about how proud he is of the work he put in to essentially ruin people in their last moments of life. Because these types of laws were made it possible such that down in the states at this point if your partner was dying of AIDS you had the same rights as an actual as, as a quote unquote like married uh, legal partner such that you could visit yeah, them a, yeah
0: a legally married partner because at the time gay marriage that was, was not an, not an option.
1: option at all and so these people were allowed to visit them uh, when they died, they were allowed to, you know, collect their personal belongings, you know, mourn and everything. They were entitled to go to funerals and whatnot because they were the partner. Uh, without such the sorts of things,
0: mm-hmm. the sort of things that you would expect to be able to do with someone who you love who is going through a at the time um, back then a almost certainly fatal exactly.
1: Deal. Exactly, and what we see when when these laws didn't exist is uh, <clears throat> some hospitals and hospices wouldn't let the partners visit, ever, and they wouldn't let them come and pick up their stuff after, and then they would be banned from uh, funerals if the family saw it so fit. So these is literally taking two people's lives—one at the end and one not at the end—but someone who's grieving for the loss of their lover, and just bringing them down so much more, just really destroying them. I think about this often nowadays of, like, imagine back then if one in three of your friends died just within years, and you had no rights. Say they were your your lover. Say they were your, your best friend in life, and they died, and all that you had left was the memory of them being taken away to this hospice.
0: And not only that, there's people like Kenny actively making the situation worse yeah it's it's horrific i i can't imagine it because it's no. so beyond anything that i or or people of our generation in canada in the u.s have ever experienced it's horrific exactly. and yeah, he's horrific. taking pride and like spiritual growth in that it's just it's uh, to, to break with the the comedy for a moment it's frankly just disgusting
1: it's disgusting. And even worse than that is him using this exact same moment in his life to appeal to both sides. On one hand, you know, I helped my cause because I destroyed these people's lives. And on the other hand, he's trying to use it as evidence that he's actually pro-LGBTQ. And that's and that's what this, this article goes on to say. And I'm going to quote from the article now. It's, ent- it's entirely normal and healthy for people's views to evolve over time. The question isn't whether 32-year-old Kenny in the second video is the same as the 50-year-old Kenny running for office. It's how he we went from bragging about helping prevent gay men from visiting their dying partners to boasting about volunteering in a San Francisco hospice for AIDS patients. Is it genuine reformation or political convenience? And it really, truly seems like it's the latter. Like, it's, it's entirely political convenience. And you'll see, like... Look, if you look into his past at all, he spent his entire career opposed to LGBTQ plus people. And so for him to now say, oh, actually, I'm for them without any evidence for that, it's entirely just politicizing. It's just entirely him trying to take advantage of the current uh, opinions of of gay people.
0: Yeah, his voting history hasn't changed to reflect this alleged support of of the LGBTQ community. It's staunchly anti that and someone who was actually supportive of this community i would hope someone who was sincere about this would do some reflection on what they've done and not be proud for exactly (laughs) for god's sake man yeah it's it's horrible
1: it's horrible it's horrible and the thing is that he's still hasn't actually really he says oh i don't agree with my thoughts anymore but he hasn't actually apologized not that i'm not that saying apology would make it better but like it would at least show that he cares more about the people that he's harmed than about trying to retain those hard right votes which of course isn't the case because i i believe he still believes the things he did back then and he certainly doesn't want to lose those votes
0: well, we'll have to ask him uh, when I have him uh, yeah. strapped to my chair. Uh, next,
1: next week. Yeah. Uh, just one of the last things that I'm going to go say from this article is that after this uh, investigation, uh, Taylor Lambert found that um, essentially this um, gift of love hospice was not at all a part of the LGBTQ plus group. It was uh, uh, operated by Mother Teresa's missionary for charity. Um, we love Mother
0: Teresa. Nothing yeah, bad about so, her.
1: It was a Catholic it was an independent Catholic missionary, uh, so by definition, not pro-gay, uh, where <laughs> a, he's quoting here from an, a Los Angeles Times article uh, that local healthcare professionals and social workers were concerned about people at the gift of love because um, they were discouraged from taking their prescribed pain medications. And there's an attitude of discomfort or disapproval that the sisters convey uh, towards the people for their you know homosexual acts.
0: So basically what I'm hearing is a classic sort of, um, I don't want to say Christian generally, maybe just Catholic, but a, a sort of like suffering for your sins mentality. These people have, yeah. who are in the hospice have, in the view of these nurses and, and uh, volunteers like Kenny, they've, they have sinned, they've done something wrong, and the pain of what they're going through is deserved.
1: Yeah. That makes is me this- want to puke. It's this weird thing of like this, the Catholic uh, charity, but also mixed with like the total and honest brutality of, of the religion at times. Uh, so here, here's one example. The women at would describe, uh, sorry, women who visited would describe the men as being exceptionally depressed, as the nuns would deny them pleasures such as TV or allowing friends to visit. Uh, and one would tell the story of a man who was begging for a friend to take him so he can avoid the conditions there. As his illness worsened, he begged not to be sent back to the gift of love because he knew they didn't medicate enough or properly and was afraid he would have to die without morphine. And this is the most despicable thing here. Uh, One woman described the nun's practice of deceiving patients in order to baptize them. Sisters were to ask each person in danger of death if they wanted a ticket to heaven, and an affirmative reply was to mean consent of baptism. The sister would then pretend she was just cooling the person's forehead with a wet cloth while, in fact, she was baptizing him, saying quietly the necessary words.
0: That. Yeah. That evidence, makes my skin crawl. Oh, holy shit.
1: Evidence of a very strong pro LGBTQ uh, experience absolutely
0: yeah no you're yeah oh sorry i'm just trying to drag myself out of the emotional pit that that yeah (laughs) um yeah that's dark god it's so fucking black um
1: i think that's where i'll leave it with this for now before we like dig ourselves deeper into this like emotional like trench we found ourselves in but if you're listening and you haven't come across this sprawl article uh i'd 100% recommend it it's it really it's The only thing out there right now that's actually taking Kenny's past seriously from the mainstream media. And in fact, like Jeremy Colossus came out right afterwards saying that in a tweet saying that it's been a weird week that they did an investigation into Kenny's past. Whereas the other media are only able to treat that past as being an NDP attack rather than a legit thing to look into. Uh, So he's just like absolutely flabbergasted that they were the only group to do such a thing.
0: Yeah, they they put in the yeah. work. That's that's why we're highlight- highlighting this as as a good take. They put in exactly. the work where nobody else did. They got something that was um, upsetting but valuable to know about Kenny and mm-hmm. I think his party because folks folks at home, there's no reason based on the kind of scandals that we've seen and the, the free speech crap Mm -hmm. that's happened this week there's no reason to believe that jason kenney's candidates don't hold these beliefs and i feel like there's enough evidence to say that they probably do share his beliefs and i imagine he probably constructed his party to fit his beliefs it's his party
1: i mean if they don't there's plenty of space out there for them to put their opinions and show their evidence that they that they do support it but nothing uh nothing i have seen has convinced me of that yeah ucp folks it's not good Woo. what can i say it's folks not good. they're not looking out for you they're not looking out for you bad bad apples okay so moving swiftly along i hear that there's some rumblings coming in from uh city north of calgary the one the only the reddest deer in the lands
0: oh uh, yeah the city that uh some people say doesn't exist those people are me I've, um who I've are making fun there. of how small it is they only uh, and, have a
1: donut shop, I think. That's it.
0: Yeah, but basically, folks, if you haven't been to Red Deer, it's a Tim Hortons that is split perfectly in half by a highway connecting Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, Chase is mentioning uh, Red Deer because um, I found this lovely little gem of a story in a uh, another small local newspaper. Oh, folks, we're going full local this time. We're eating local. Um Mm-mm-mm. it's the Red Deer Advocate and uh it was in their opinion section um and this uh article Boy's is called Ready for it brace yourself Chase The Social Justice Bus
1: What? Pretty
0: yeah yeah pretty uh bus? Pretty strange little title bus Okay uh, yeah so
1: I don't I like hope where you're it's ready going already for... Is this like the Bang Bus? <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: uh, you'll you'll be wishing it was. Oh um, no! So this this article is basically a let's count it off one two three four five six about a dozen paragraphs um, of one overextended metaphor about Rosa Parks, and <laughs> we're going no. to get, get into it here because it's uh it's oh, I'm really already exhausted.
1: Bad. All right, but, let's um, do this.
0: But for some context, so it was it was published on the Red Deer Advocate's um, online um, presence. I I don't know if it was printed. I don't. I honestly am not entirely sure if the Red Deer Advocate is a printed service. If it um, is
1: printed, we need a copy.
0: Yes, we absolutely do. Please mail us a copy of the Red Deer Advocate from uh, March twenty second, I believe. So, mm-hmm. what's important is uh, that they tweeted this out and. Twelve hours later, I went back to look for it, and it was gone. They had <laughs> deleted it entirely. The reaction <laughs> this to this article <laughs> was so negative that they, within a day, removed it from their site. So I had to do some digging to find this, folks. This is some investigative reporting. People think <laughs> you of investigative to reporting. Work. Yeah, it was. People are saying that the investigative reporting is happening over the sprawl. No, it's happening at Your Takes headquarters here in Bonavista. Um, take so take I, your
1: sprawl money for take your Patreon money to the sprawl and send it right over here, folks. Yes, we please. Really need we it.
0: we don't have one, but if you could uh, just put the money into an envelope, maybe with some white dust, and just send that through the Canada Post. Um, so. I had to dig through um, the Internet Archive Wayback Machine to try to find it. Couldn't quite find it there. Um, got some luck with a Google Cache, but what really actually let me bring this article to you is that I found the author, um, a man named Brian Giesbrecht, and I'm almost certainly pronouncing that wrong.
1: No, I think um, you might have gotten it.
0: Oh you, no, you. Yeah, I got it. In one. Let's just <laughs> let's yeah, assume yeah. that I that I nailed it. So. Brian, um, Mr. Giesbrecht, is uh, apparently a very prolific writer. Um, I Ooh. took a look at uh, his Google search results, and I found opinion pieces not only in the Red Deer Advocate, but in papers you know, public, being published in Winnipeg, papers being published in Thunder Bay, papers being published Whoa. in Edmonton. This guy is apparently sending his opinion pieces all over the country,
1: probably. To all the, the best cities, too. Like, yes. amazing, absolute liberal, like, Thunder Bay, Winnipeg, Red Deer. You just name it all the metropolises.
0: Hubs of A plus 10 out of 10 reporting. So he is a, he is a retired judge, so I imagine this is most of what he spends his time doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's more, perhaps importantly for us... A member of a think tank called the Frontier Center for Public Policy.
1: Oh, I've not heard of that one.
0: I hadn't either, but I feel like um, if Jason Kenney gets into office, these guys are going to have his ear because it is exactly the kind of things that he probably wants to hear. Mm
1: -hmm. So the Frontier
0: Center for Public Policy advertises itself as um, a politics neutral think tank. Um, trying to bring now. Let's see. I just have a no. A quote that's here. something um,
1: that I've never heard of before.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? No. They, they don't have politics. Neutral. They don't have politics. They only have facts. There are no politics here. Only facts, and that's why right, they right read sentrism. opinion pieces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so here's a quote from um, their mission statement. Our mission is simple, but not easy: to change Canada by strengthening minds, elevating oh, no. discourse mentoring youth and bringing the leading minds of the world to bear on the problems that matter
1: most. Doesn't that sound great? Well, yeah, Do they give some examples of what those problems are? No! Not Not in this document,
0: but we'll get there. Intentionally obscure. So they initially describe themselves, this might give you a a little bit more context because that was like boilerplate kind of world oh, yeah. changing the world. we a think tank, you know, kind of think. We do but, a um, thing,
1: you know, look at us. A b- b-
0: we're not going to tell you what the thing is, but it's positive in a sort of vague way that you're going to love. Yeah. Um, Got it. Now, they, are describing, they describe themselves as an independent Western Canada based public policy think tank with offices in Winnipeg, Regina, and Calgary mm-hmm. um, to develop and popularize policy choices that will help Canada's prairie region live up to its vast but unrealized economic potential.
1: Oh, so they're, they're a, a prairie socialist group.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course, of course. Excellent.
0: Yeah, um, unfortunately, what uh, what they mean by um, living up to vast and unrealized economic potential is basically from skimming over Brian uh, Giesbrecht's um, articles. Number one, yeah, native folks, we don't really like them, oh. but we can't get rid of them. So what are we going to do? Oh, the think Keith. tank is going to solve it. No. <laughs> Number two, young people are saying scary things at universities. What are we going to do about it? Uh, they're not so sure about that one. They honestly have more <laughs> of a solution for the quote-unquote quote, native problem than they do for social justice, but I they're mean, spending twice the ink on that. Because you can tell what they're a, actually scared about.
1: They've already got, like, a, a lead to follow on the, on the First Nations thing. I mean, just like residential schools, they didn't close that long ago, did they?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we're not going to have that mentioned directly. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. No, residential schools don't exist. Um, and then third, uh, basically, if we want to have economic success, oil, oil, oil,
1: oil, oil, oil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a a very, very reasonable classic thinks for a think tank to have.
0: Policy, uh, sorry, politics neutral.
1: Yes, yes, entirely politically neutral.
0: All the things that I just said, neutral, just facts, folks. Folks. I mean, I guess it's kind of
1: true. In Alberta, like, it's pretty politically neutral to hate First Nations people.
0: And it is pretty politically neutral to think that oil is the only salvation for any economic woe, so. Yeah. Yep, hell province.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's center politics here, folks. Yeah, um,
0: but let's really dive into this article, though. I'm gonna, uh, I'm rambling yeah, yeah. a bit here because I just, I just, I've discovered this character in Brian, and I love it. So, just oh, sink in my teeth. Paint me a portrait
1: here. Yeah, yeah. Paint me a
0: picture. So, opening paragraph. Here we go. The yeah. social justice bus. It was December first, nineteen fifty-five. A tired seamstress was making her way back home on a bus after a long day in Montgomery, Alabama. The bus driver angrily informed the woman that the law required her to sit in the back of the bus. The woman wasn't just tired from work. She was tired of a law and a system that was just plain wrong. She refused to move to the back of the bus. The name of that woman, Rosa Parks, and she was an African-American. Well, I'm feeling inspired.
1: I'm like, I'm, I'm so ready for where this where this article is going to take us. Come on, let's go. Let's ride this bus. So we're, I'm
0: going to skip a little bit here, stopping only on. Uh, we've got another paragraph here about um, pioneering fe- feminists had the same dream. No longer would artificial obstacles prevent girls and women from aspiring to jobs that had been the exclusive domain of men. Gender would no longer be a barrier. It would be an irrelevancy little hint of where we're going.
1: Oh, yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, here's his kind of thesis statement. But that is not how things turned out. Because, just like Rosa Parks, when she first boarded that segregated bus, we now find ourselves back on a bus where everyone is expected to know their place. Welcome aboard the social justice bus.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's not... (laughs) I I
0: refuse to accept it. This is the whole article. It's all about the bus. He never drops it.
1: He never drops the bus.
0: So, okay. Here we go. At the back of the bus, they will seat the privileged white man. He is told that his days of oppressing others are over. Ahead of him sits the white woman. Her gender gives her a bit of an advantage, but not that much. Then come the various. Her gender? her gender yeah her gender because she's a woman so she gets a little bit of an advantage over the white man but the white man has to sit right at the back of the bus oh
1: you, oh right because cause social justice right right we are first physically on the got bus it. he's right. right
0: at the back row the white man has a bad stomach and the bumps on the road are really upsetting him and he's got really bad burps and yeah, this yeah. is just he had not, a mayonnaise
1: sandwich it was too much for him he's not feeling great <laughs> exactly, it's All just right. not equal. They're not considering the unique situation and uh, I'm, the unique gastrointestinal qualities of the white man.
0: The segregation of the mayo and the stomach acid <laughs> in his belly. Um, All right, who's so yeah, the yeah, white the, woman? The white people are at the back, um, mm-hmm. and uh, then come the various people with skin in colors that. Martin Luther King, because of course we have to mention him, we're a white person writing about race, uh, hoped would be irrelevant. Blacks and indigenous people sit in those seats, the two minorities. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Ahead of them, as a result of the truly bizarre, quote, intersectionality theory, sit the stars of the show, people who can claim both racial gender and some other perceived quote oppressed status (laughs) so as in like mm, like like a black woman so according to brian ooh,
1: mixing up gender and race
0: it's impossible there are none there are the the, Mm -hmm. the existence of like native women or black women it's not real, they have exactly the same experience as the white woman yep. in womanhood. It's the exact same thing. Um, because first of all, I doubt he's actually read any feminist anything, and second, no. if he did, oh, he no, 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 stopped no. reading them in the
1: 1950s. <laughs> yeah, no, intersectionality came up with the notion of a woman of color. That's yeah, a, it, it just didn't exist as yeah. a product of the 1990s, like. Yeah,
0: postmodernism, cultural Marxism is striking again. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. one thing that I'm surprised that he doesn't work in here. The, no mention of the word Marxism, though. I uh, Matt, he probably, he's definitely. Thinking he's
1: an old guy. He's probably not met, uh, been on YouTube enough to to run into Jordan Peterson. But you I'm know sure he'd love it.
0: Oh, you know he You know love he would. Um, so this is the new social justice bus, um, and then then he gets into what probably made him angry in the first place. Um, made him write this article. Students are selected not because they are the best qualified, but because they sit in a desired section of the bus. Their teachers are hired not because they are the best qualified applicants, but because of their place on the bus. And then he says, uh, with no substantiation to this, the results show that the Canadian universities that have moved the furthest away from merit are now at the bottom of the pack. What what, Does he get some evidence for that? No, absolutely not. No, no. And <laughs> basically, this is this was an interesting piece because it's so ridiculous. Because it was taken down immediately. Because it showed me this character in Brian Giesbrecht. Mm-hmm. But I also picked it because reading this, it's like, it's kind of ridiculous. There's the bus thing. But you could make a, an AI to write this article it's so basic it's so it's rehashing the exact same stale takes these takes have cooled off folks and i don't mean that in a good way stale as fuck crispy old take that um anti-social justice people have been saying for decades um, yeah
1: these, these are the takes that your dad says like like after a few beers you know like nothing nothing new just just the same rehashed Kind of kind of bullshit that requires absolutely no thinking, but is still somehow so, like, poignant that they just, like, they can't help themselves from saying it.
0: The, yeah, the, the fact that Brian, and I will continue to refer to him as his first name. No respect in this house. First, first uh,
1: name basis, maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that Brian felt the need to write this, that he felt that he was the person to write this, that he felt that it should be published... It's just, it's exactly against what he's saying. He's saying, like, we need to move back to a society based on merit. And yet, Brian, your milk toast, boring-ass bus piece was published.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, if anything, that just, like, that paints the picture perfectly. Like, someone with evidently no real merit in writing although published in a very sad number of newspapers or sad newspaper was in fact published and is published often like buddy, we don't live in a meritocratic world. Look at your fucking self.
0: It's, it's just once you get past that initial, like, Oh my God, (laughs) this is so such an out of date, ridiculous thing. It is. It's boring. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, so, then he complains it it also i think it could be transplanted through time this this article did not need to be published in 2019 the most topical thing he mentions is um trudeau selecting his cabinet in 2015 and so i imagine that's when brian stopped reading the news uh, because it made him too angry (laughs) um and uh so it it's like It's this timeless, floating void of an article that could go anywhere in any small-town bullshit newspaper. And I imagine there are multiple of these published all the time across not not just this country. The same sort of opinion is pervasive in the United States, in Mm -hmm, Europe, mm -hmm. that the previous system was of merit. It was judging people based on merit and that we've abandoned that previous system. And that's just it's just not the case, any sort of critical analysis of like the things he's talking about, like student selection in schools. Um, He mentions a law society in Ontario, like the choices of who to admit to law schools. There are are actual studies, actual data that these types of institutions and these selection processes were biased on the basis of of race and on the basis mm-hmm. of gender and on intersectionality, which is a thing.
1: These, I feel like, I mean, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. And we see the same thing in science where like the, if you provide grants to a reviewing committee that is gender blind, you'll find that essentially it's pretty much 50-50 the number of men and women who receive the granting awards. If you provide uh, the sex of the applicant, then it ends up being something like 70-30 or or uh, 75-25. It's usually impactful. But as soon as you try to talk to anybody, it it really doesn't matter the type of person that you want to talk to, Uh, like their educational, like like maybe how much education they have, their careers or whatnot. If they come from a place of privilege, it is almost impossible for you to convince them of that is something that I've noticed.
0: Folks, you heard it here first. Check your privilege.
1: Check your fucking privilege. And, like, I've I've even had this conversation with friends about um, people their age, people, like, they're in a relationship with, where you agree on absolutely everything. But then you start talking about something like, oh, you know, like, property ownership. And, you know, well, my parents were able to afford a house and yada, yada, yada. And then you're like, well, maybe you should consider, like if your parents could afford a house, but maybe uh, your friend's parents couldn't afford a house, perhaps there's some sort of privilege that you were brought up with and whatnot. Oh, no, 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 absolutely not. I'm not privileged yet. yet. It's such a personal thing that's so deep in how you were raised that people can't dissociate themselves from it or attribute yeah, any of their successes to their privilege. And and then trying to have these conversations is next to impossible because of that.
0: Yeah, I I, I said... Uh... Check your privilege because that is exactly what we're talking about. But people, when mm-hmm. when that phrase particularly uh, is used, people view that as an attack. It feels it feels very aggressive. Um, not that it, it shouldn't, but I mean, it's it's a way of thinking critically about your own status that a lot of people have never done, have never thought to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Could you say that it's perhaps uh, triggering? Hey,
0: uh, find a
1: safe space,
0: Brian. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Every, yeah, every day I I think the real snowflakes are, uh, are the baby boomers.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, change my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Snowflake Brian Giesbrecht ends off his bus, um, slurred monologue that i can i can absolutely imagine this guy at a thanksgiving dinner sort of spilling this article out over the course of multiple hours to his astonished well not truly astonished but just quiet grandchildren um and the, the so. fact
1: that there's there's no real impetus for why this article came out makes me think that it was exactly that like his grandchild tried to retort that like maybe you should check your privilege uh peepop, like people like are aren't as in a good place as you and then he was just so furious he hastily put together this like horrible like long extended metaphor just to like stick it to his little <laughs> grandson
0: <laughs> his grandson got pissed at him and he looked out the window and the first thing he saw was a greyhound going by like oh shit that's it i've got
1: it <laughs> Yeah, Write an yeah. article to own your grandkids. Yeah. You heard it here, Fostbergs.
0: <laughs> so uh, he ends this off. Uh, you'll, you'll see how this is kind of uh, almost like dramatic irony. So he talks about the Ontario law stuff, and then he says, but here's the thing. As our social justice bus bumps along the highway, getting slower by the mile, there's another bus that is catching up to us very quickly. That is the bus on which our competitors are riding because our competitors are not riding with the social justice bus. They're riding on a bus that recognizes merit and competition as the sole criteria when deciding which students to enroll in their universities, which people to hire as scientists, lawyers, or professors. And that bus is passing us by. So he takes his extended <laughs> bus metaphor and he, he drags it. it. He drags it painfully across the finish line like the lagging social justice bus. The wheels oh have God. fallen off of this bus, but Brian Giesbrick pushes with all his might to try to get it across. And this is why, This is sort of why I brought up the uh, the think tank because I feel like this is him remembering, oh, right, I have to make this seem like... Like, I'm getting at something. Like, there's a conclusion to this. Um, And as part of this kind of prairie-focused think tank, I imagine then Brian is uh, decided, well, I'm seeing this sort of privileged intersectionality here in my province, which obviously means that other provinces either aren't doing it or those darn immigrants aren't doing Mm -hmm. it, and we're going to lose our... uh, Economy.
1: <laughs> the Alberta Advantage. Ah. Of white people only.
0: Quality pod. You know the the
1: final the final like imagery there of like a like beleaguered bus full of like people of color with like angry white people at the back being like sped past by like a purely white, like say Saskatchewan bus is essentially like a Canadian uh garrison cartoon. Like Jim oh. Garrison cartoon. Oh my god like I can I can see it I can perfectly clear like like finish lines at the end it's all labeled
0: perfectly yeah Yeah, the finish line is labeled with prosperity Um, Trudeau is trying to cut it before they get there Uh, oh my gosh oh if only Ben Garrison was Canadian Americans can you can you send him to us we need Ben Garrison just this one
1: time we need this we need this piece of art We, we can commission him maybe
0: Perfect. Perfect. All right, mm-hmm, folks. Mm-hmm. So, if at any point um, we try to monetize the podcast, know that that's what your money is going towards. We will commission <laughs> famed uh, cartoonist Ben Garrison to turn Brian Geesbrix's the Social Justice Bus into a work that will outlive all of us.
1: Amen to that.
0: So that's my. I mean, I think that worked pretty well. A, a, a stupid take. A. a boring take but um
1: but i think it's a poignant take cuz it's it's a t- it's a take that we can all like see ourselves in a little bit or see our families in
0: right and maybe yeah.
1: with some critical thinking we can figure out how to talk to our stupid family and figure <laughs> yeah. out how to change some opinions exactly. i love you mom and dad but <laughs>
0: stop reading the sun
1: (laughs) please dad stop reading rick bell articles they're not good for your brain
0: (laughs) yeah so folks at easter brunch or wherever you're at um just like google brian geese and turn text to speech on on your phone and leave the room (laughs) your your grandparents won't notice
1: (laughs) the perfect out
0: um so so brian kind of vaguely mentions uh you know, feminists, and uh, he see, he seems to sort of uh, play um, lip service to the idea that feminism was once a good thing. Um, but uh, I I've heard that you have something uh, a little less positive for uh, um, <laughs> our feminine friends.
1: Yes, so I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to keep this one quick. It's a. This is going back to like some federal stuff that's been going on recently. If if um you've been following it all, uh, SNC lavlan uh, scandal or Lav scam, as some people have been uh, calling it, you'll understand that there's some some shit going down with two female former ministers, namely uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould and uh, Jane Philpott.
0: I'm familiar with both of these women, and know who they oh. are.
1: All right. <laughs> Perfect. Well, okay, Jody Wilson-Raybould was the former uh, Attorney General and Justice Minister. That was a joke. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Who's been involved in the last game scandal anyways. I mean, oh, go, go, go ahead, like, just in case. Yeah yeah, 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 she's yeah. A former so, justice minister. First justice minister was in the, in the middle of this last scam scandal. Pretty much said that she's not going to let uh, the government go through with uh, a deferred prosecution agreement against uh, SNC Lavlan, and that they would she would prefer them to face uh, criminal uh, go, go to court for their charges. Yada yada yada. Was removed from caucus. This whole thing's come out. Anyways, she came out during her um, testimony in front of the justice committee. Pretty much gave like a bombshell. What am I? What's the word? Testimony, of course. There's my brain, Uh, and pretty much said, you know, Justin Trudeau and the whole PMO pretty much conspired for this. Really bad, yada yada yada. And then a few weeks later, uh, fellow cabinet minister Jane Philpott, who was really like a star member of cabinet, she was um, health minister for a number of years and really got a lot of things working. She was she oversaw a huge part of the cannabis uh, legislation. <clears throat> she then moved on to, uh, I believe it's indigenous services. Exactly. smoking up that big tope. Moved on to indigenous services and got a huge number of things that, uh, moving on, 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 I think it was health services relating to indigenous services that had been essentially like, uh, stagnated for years and years and years. So it was really doing like some,
0: something our Brian, our friend Brian Giesbricht would like to keep. Exactly. But move on.
1: Really like was considered the top member of cabinet, uh, and people were whispering about like, oh, maybe she'd be like the next prime minister, next leader of the Liberal Party. Uh, <clears throat> and it's worth noting that this session was the first time that this parliament was the first time that either Jody Wilson-Raybould or Jane Philpott were in, were running for pol- politics. They weren't politicians. They're not politicians. Uh, Jane Philpott's a doctor and Jody Wilson-Raybould was a, <laughs> I think she was a lawyer, a chief and a judge at some point. So these are not career politicians. They're very principled people. This is
0: kind of a cliche, but that makes me trust them more.
1: As you should, because they don't live up to the hackery. And that's what we have been seeing. And that's what this article that I'm going to get into is trying to denounce as backstabbing. Great. So Jane Philpott resigned from Cabinet, citing that she had no confidence in Cabinet anymore after how they've been dealing with SNC and Jody Wilson-Raybould to which, unfortunately, the conservatives have been, like, cheering her because she is, in some ways, tearing apart the liberal uh, chances for re-election, uh, where she's been essentially, on uh, half the caucus want her to be forced out of caucus, and the other half see her as still, like, an amazing person. This person, who wrote this article, is solely in the former, where she does not like this woman at all. Because, Ooh it seems like a lot of the media class in Canada and a lot of the people in Ottawa and a lot of self-proclaimed liberals want a liberal government in power regardless. Doesn't matter what they do wrong or all the bullshit that they're involved in. They see any other option as essentially suicide. It's, it's, it's the death of the country, which I think is absolute bullshit, but go on.
0: I'm familiar with a ton of people who have that exact yeah. um, opinion, uh, both politically involved uh, in and not. And to be fair to them, for the longest time, it kind of was true. There wasn't much of a presence on the federal level um for parties outside of the liberals and the conservatives that people could take seriously but i i genuinely feel like that has changed either it has actually changed or i'm a dumbass and i don't know
1: anything I, yeah so i, I see see these people are coming from because usually they're terrified of conservatives which is fair because the conservative party of canada is an atrocious party but in tr- in Ghouls. all honesty though like a lot of the policies and all the ways that the conservatives and the liberals conduct their government are, like, exactly the same. Like, they're very, very similar <laughs> like They're all ghouls. They're all absolute ghouls. Uh, even the NDP can be quite ghoulish at times. But just the absolute fear of losing the liberal party to the point where you'll, like, essentially excuse, the, like, the demonstrably horrible stuff that the liberals have done in this case is un- it's just unbelievable
0: yeah there's no pretending that there's nothing wrong that yeah. that is at its base a ridiculous thing to think yeah like if and if you want more context for that uh we we did an hour-long uh um, previous recording where uh, Chase explained <laughs> the situation to me for about 20 minutes. And, it was very agitated wouldn't you know, full, God, almost everything God, that, that I
1: said me. came true. <laughs> Woo! Okay, so I'm, I'm going to get into the opinion piece now. It's by uh, Heather Malick, and it's written in The Star, which sometimes has some decent articles. This is not one of them. So the title of the article is, Why Does Jane Philpott Keep Knifing Her Fellow Liberals? Yeah, gets right into it. Uh, Uh, All right, so I'll begin. Uh, What would the Admiral Jane Philpott do? I guess we have the answer. She would quit cabinet. She would remain an MP, fail to resign from the Liberal caucus, continue to attack the government in an election year as a matter of principle, in scare quotes, and say in explicit terms that her fellow Liberal MPs care more about re-election than conscience. So... (laughs) A couple Definitely. things to just get into here. Uh, so, some true things. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty much what we'll see... Is, so, this is from self-acclaimed uh, feminist writer, uh, Heather Malik. I'm going to go ahead and say that a lot of the stuff that she says in this article is very anti-feminist. Uh, and a lot mm. of it is taken from this interview that uh, Jane Philpott did with uh, Paul Wells of McLean's Magazine, where she pretty much, like, answered some questions that he had. And some of the things that uh, Heather takes from that, she blows up completely out of proportion. So, let's uh, let's just dive right back into it some more. Um, Please. So, equally, she would give an oh, this is what I'm referring to. Equally, she would give an interview, although she could use parliamentary privilege to speak candidly to hint at corruption in the SNC lavalin affair, so complex that it might take four hours to explain. Four hours. So she told Paul Wells, a great political journalist, with prenatural ability to persuade intelligent politicians to say the silliest things, perhaps he uses silence judiciously. This whole like this sent this article is full on full of sentences that I do not understand how a copy editor let past. Like Yeah,
0: that was a strange structure.
1: Yeah, it really doesn't make much sense. Um, and with that, in a climate emergency with young people bereft with Donald Trump still in office, we're pulled back into the SNC Lavelin. So she's saying that how how dare we move the spotlight away from all these things that Trudeau's trying to get it through with his uh, in his in his policy, you know, uh, all of his ama- amazing uh, work on the climate emergency, all of his amazing work trying to get Donald Trump impeached. Oh, no, no, no. Really now we're, successful. Yeah. Now we're focusing oh. back on the scandal that explicitly involves him and his office.
0: You know, yeah. I I, com- I completely can see where she's coming from. Um, if Trudeau isn't allowed to sort of putter along and make no significant policy changes, Donald Trump is going to waltz right over the ber- border with his 300 McDonald's hamburgers. And mm-hmm. that's it, folks. War of eight, uh, 1812. No, version <laughs> two, war of 2019. And we're going to lose.
1: I, I believe we call it um, 1984.
0: Imagine a Big Mac stamping on a human face forever.
1: We truly live in a society. So this brings us to what I think is my favorite run-on sentence in this article. And it starts with, what is Philpott referring to? My wildest fantasy, colon. Ottawa was distributing crystal methamphetamine in diplomatic pouches until two cooks, yes, the cabinet cooks meth. On those rural caucus retreats, plucky Jody Wilson Raybould and Philpott went on strike for a bigger lab, or their own distribution deal. What the fuck? I, <laughs> I, I think she's trying to like say that the thing that Philpott is like scared of is no. I, I can't. I'm not. I'm. I can't. I'm I am can not i not is that.
0: Is she trying to say that the Wilson Raybould and Phil pod are getting like paid off.
1: I, I mean, yeah, but I, can't,
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I can't process this.
1: No, this, like I've read this several times and it makes absolutely no sense, but <laughs> you know, move swiftly along from that. Like folks, if you want to, this, this article is still up in the star. You can read it if you want to.
0: Oh, you, you know, I've, I've never mind. I figured it out. I got it. She's okay, okay. talking about the, as of yet unreleased, new season of Breaking Bad yes. starring Wilson, Raybould, and Philpott.
1: Oh my god. Jane! Jane, we have to cook! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I wish I had watched that show recently because that's literally the only reference I have.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm just seeing uh, Wilson, Raybould, tossing a pizza on the roof.
1: Jody! I fucked Trudeau! <laughs> <laughs> that, that's also the only one I got. Um. Yes. All right. So uh, going on, <laughs> she also just starts all of her um, sentences with things like, or, or frankly, so, okay. Mm. Or perhaps she and Wilson Raybould were unhappy at Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's gender equal cabinet and quit to make an obscure feminist point that frankly eludes me and many other feminists. Yeah. Yeah. Of course it eludes everybody because you just made it up. Yeah, you you (laughs) (laughs) you literally just made up the premise that they quit because of strange like unhappiness with a gender equal cabinet, and then made yourself confused about it.
0: Perhaps we don't understand because she's trying to make a point that I don't understand because I just made it up. up. (laughs) Awesome, good recording.
1: Her head is so powerful. Like we reached like full galaxy brain. So, so then, she, then she like denounces all of her theories. <laughs> Here's my problem with these theories. Oh, boy. Uh, people in her writing are the same as other Canadian voters. They want a stable future for their children. An effort at preventing and preparing for climate change that is about to devastate us. Good jobs, equality for women, fairness for indigenous peoples, and a national pharmacare plan. All things that the Trudeau government has done in spades.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can, right now, I can go down to the pharmacist and I can pick up a bottle of anything and just walk out the door. No
1: like problem. like These are things that he's like done the least... Like, sure, he enacted a carbon tax which will do essentially nothing to fight climate change. Um, Sure, he's had a gender-neutral cabinet and talks about equality for women. He, yeah, he campaigned on fairness for indigenous peoples but has not really done anything on that at all. But then including yeah, the National Pharmacare in that, something that, like, he didn't act on it all or wasn't part of his campaign and is now kind of being held over people as like a phantom of the election to come it's just reprehensible
0: oh i'm, I'm surprised that she didn't mention the electoral reform that he definitely also did
1: oh no that, that would have been way way too poignant that would have been too good it almost seems like this is
0: satire to me like it's it see it seemed like she was trying to be funny at one point and then just like decided you know what no i'm not doing satire anymore i agree with my own stupidity this
1: would read really well as a satire article like change a few sentences around and it would essentially be like a really well written beaverton article yes so women including cabinet ministers she says have to be resilient and i've worked with difficult people but i'm resilient of course that's only because i had a very large class size in high school says doug ford Ooh, wow, were you an AP? Like, she literally is just pulling out references of, like, recent Canadian political events and then trying to shoehorn them into here. Oh, and then she goes on, uh, perhaps Wilson Raybould and Phil Pot were tutored, so they don't have to be be resilient. That lost on (laughs) me. Because they were tutored, because they didn't have a big class size. She's saying they're weak. Oh, oh, it's like a... Oh, she tried a joke. <laughs> yeah, she's trying jokes. Uh, and then she goes on to complain about, like, how the last thing she wants is a government led by Andrew Shear, Blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's the last thing most people want, except for his yeah. massive ba- uh, base. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, MPs are well-paid and well-pensioned, as they should be. And it's hard to leave the public eye. I no doubt I doubt they want the leadership of any party, nationally or provincially, not that it will ever be an offer. Voters don't mind political maneuvering, that's the job. But they don't like serial knifings, which is what Philpot is doing to the Prime Minister and liberal colleagues.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's going around. This is what Americans have been saying for decades. If you take the guns away with the
1: gun laws, knife crime, baby <laughs> Yeah. This is just absolutely cause so she is denouncing a female MP for standing up to Trudeau feminist. And, his, yeah, and his cabinet by Very quitting feminist. and then saying almost nothing except one interview she did where the worst thing that she said was there's a lot more to be said about this thing and she is akinning all of that to serial knifings of the liberal colleagues and absolutely torpedoing the uh, Trudeau's rightful re-election. You know, that's women first. She earned her seat on the social justice bus. Yeah. So then she... the We're getting very close to the end. These are uh, some very excellent fine, final paragraphs. So I'll, I'll breeze right through them.
0: Lay so them she
1: says, uh, Both Wilson Raybould and Philpott are good people, and I admire Philpott's immense stores of compassion. But they're naive and new to politics, which is all about bending with the blows rather than breaking with their and taking the long view. That's, right, not, yeah, that's just, not a metaphor. I'm sorry. Politics
0: is about just going with what your party leader is doing no matter what. Bending to the blows. Yeah,
1: the best thing that we have is not holding any of the party leaders or the higher uh, public servants accountable for anything that they're doing. Just appoint uh, them. Yeah. Keep appointing. Uh, it is not pleasant to think of yourself as demoted as Wilson, Wilson Rabel did with Indigenous Services and Veterans Affairs. It hurts. Now, I would like to say that Wilson Raybould has never once said that she was demoted. This was everybody else saying that she was demoted to Veterans Affairs. And the thing about Indigenous Services is ridiculous, because they tried to send her to Indigenous Services, which would make her, an Indigenous woman, have to enact the Indian Act. Gross. Yeah. Yeah, you don't do that. And so she declined. She didn't complain she was being demoted. She declined that her enacting the uh, being in charge of enacting the in- Indian Act would be absolutely inappropriate and disgusting. Yeah. So, screw you, Heather. How dare you. But I don't understand Philpott's motives for her continued knifings. Is she stalking her own party? If the two are waiting to be exiled and claim supreme victimhood, I say it discredits feminism because pathetic men do this all the time. So now, now she's doing this again where she's creating a premise and then blaming them for that premise that she came up with, saying that that premise discredits feminism.
0: This is that meme of, of the guy with the giant brain that scoops up below him like a chair and then forms an entire chessboard and the opponent.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. She's playing, I think she's playing like five-dimensional chess at this point because I can't even keep a handle on all of these premises she's con- constructing. All right, now this is the really good one. Uh, look at former, on- so she's talking about pathetic men doing this all the time. Look at former Ontario Conservative leader Patrick Brown writing, take down the political assassination of Patrick Brown. It's jaccuse written by a hamster and it's driving around looking for a random election. Look at U.S. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh wailing. Oh, he's in it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then she just, yeah, she just, let, yeah, look at him and don't look anymore. All right. No. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to leave it there. Like this, this is a fever dream of an article. It makes absolutely no sense. Heather Malick, you should quit your job as a columnist. Honestly, I don't know what kind of feminist you think you are, but if you think this is helping that cause by trying to denounce uh, two leading cabinet ministers, former cabinet ministers, you've got another thing coming.
0: She should go and write for the uh, the Red Deer Advocate. I
1: heard they have a spot open. <laughs> yeah, they've got a new uh, a new absent chair that she could fill in. I'm sure. Now uh, we're 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 wrapping up here, yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah. We've
0: we've been uh, talking to you here for a while now, but just for a moment on on this article i find it interesting she mentions kavanaugh and um the uh sorry what it was a saskatchewan
1: oh um, no the you wouldn't know about this you don't follow canadian politics enough a former ontario conservative (laughs) leader who was accused of i believe it was sexual assault or sexual harassment and was forced to yeah leave so regardless a woman who
0: can have good takes you have to watch yourself folks this spot this show is all about takes and people can have good takes and then on a very 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 similar issue well not too similar but relatively similar have such a demonstrably bad poor effort um take with like these as as chase mentioned these strange premises of uh um, constructing what your political opponent is thinking, and then deciding that they're thinking that, and and all of that in the end to support bloody Justin Trudeau, a do nothing, just bastion smear. of male
1: feminism.
0: No, you're yeah, you're right. The perfect ally. Yeah, she <laughs> she had to um, claim that uh, Philpott and Wilson Raybould. Are, are stabbing people in the back, Philpott specifically, sorry, um, because uh, he's just the ultra ally and must be elevated.
1: It's true. It's true. And I just want to make one more thing clear that literally just popped into my head. The thing that she's comparing these two women to are two men who are accused of rape and sexual assault. Right,
0: yeah. I, I
1: Like, not that's, that's just absolutely despicable. Like... Like how dare you? Oh, I think. But I'm going to close this article before I get any more upset with this. With this freaking column. We got we got
0: a fun we got a fun sandwich this week, folks. We yeah. had uh, emotional um, tra- uh, trauma and um, uh, AIDS epidemic on one hand, um, and then uh, um, sexual assault on the other. And then sandwiched in the middle, we had a bus. And folks. I hope you oh, got on bus. the bus with us this the week. social justice I bus. Hope you, yeah, I hope you. I hope you paid your fare. I hope you hopped on board uh, and enjoyed the ride. Uh, just before we go, where can we find you on Twitter, Chase? Well, you can, or, or on the internet in general. Yeah,
1: you can find me and my my really great opinions and my blossoming Twitter following at Chase T Clark. And uh, how about yourself, Keith?
0: Well, uh you can find me, my personal account at N O D J K Q R. That string of uh nonsense um letters will also lead you to literally every other online presence I've ever had in my life. Um oh, go go ham, kids. Don't go want, ham. <laughs> <laughs> please cyberstalk me. Um If you want to not bother with our shitty uh, personal opinions, we made a a Twitter for the uh, podcast itself at CYTPod, and that's going to be posting uh, episode links. We're going to be um, retweeting people talking about uh, us because we're desperate for attention. And um, really, I don't know what exactly the plan is, but folks, watch that
1: space. Watch that space, kids. It's going to be full of hot new takes coming at you 24-7.
0: So I hope you enjoyed this uh, frozen dinner of pl- uh, takes served up to you stale and cold. And uh,
1: bad week absolutely. for takes, friends.
0: And we will see you, though. It's a stinker. Next week.
1: Yeah, takes for See you night. next time. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs>